All right, so as we get into angels, uh, we'll be in part two tonight, and so uh, I've been studying through uh, angels, and I don't know if you've ever done that, uh, but it's, uh, it's fascinating, it's definitely interesting, I've been reading a lot of books and uh, doing a lot of praying <laughs> as we try to figure this out. It's, uh, there's, some, uh, there's some flavor from Unseen, if you'll remember a couple of years ago, I was looking back at some notes from that from 2017. And uh, so tonight as we get into part two, uh, the first thing that you'll see in your handout here is that Scripture is very clear that angels minister to God around His throne. Pastor Tony mentioned that last week. Uh, you read in many different places as the angels surround the throne of God that uh, their response to uh, Yahweh God, to holy God, is holy, holy, holy. And so there is uh, a throng of worship that takes place around the throne of God and, of course, uh, on that glorious day, there will be a time where we'll be able to join uh, the angels face-to-face and be able uh, to see Jesus face-to-face and join in that chorus of worship. And so it's very clear throughout Scripture that that's what angels do, that angels minister to God, uh, that they are uh, used, they're agents that are used uh, by God to accomplish His will. However, heaven is not the only place that we see angels ministering in heaven. So, you know, if this was just, uh, if you'll remember from the Unseen series, that in the hierarchy of creation, of course, there is God and God alone. Uh, Yahweh God, He's the creator and the sustainer of all things that uh, do exist and all things that have been, are, and will be. Uh, And then under God, you have the uh, heavenly bodies or the sons of God. You see that reference in uh, Genesis chapter 6. And so you also see the reference in Psalms chapter 82, which is uh, referred to as the divine council. If you've read Job uh, recently, you also see that conversation in the beginning of Job. And so if you would like some more information on that, you can go back to the Unseen series uh, on the website. Uh, But having said that, you have God, you have uh, the divine council, the sons of God that, uh, of course, are created, and then you have angels. And then, of course, lastly, you have us humans, right? And so the Bible says in many places that he made him a little bit lower than the angels, referring to Jesus, uh, when Jesus took on the form of humanity. And so in this hierarchy that God has created, uh, he did not create angels simply to exist in the heavenly realm. Uh, And so this is an unseen realm that we uh, aren't privy to. If you'll remember last week, uh, Pastor Tony made the comment that angels are not uh, restricted uh, to a physical body. And so they're actually uh, able to move and uh, do things that you and I are not capable of doing. Uh, Appearing and not appearing, there are several uh, points in Scripture. If we looked at all the references of that, and I'll mention how many there are here in a second, uh, we would spend week upon week upon week looking at all the, uh, the entrances that we see into the lives of believers by angels. And so they operate on earth as well. And so tonight, as you'll see on the top of your paper, uh, we're going to look at their earthly activity. What is it that they do on earth? What interaction do we have, if any, with angels? And what does that mean? And so uh, the descriptions of angelic activity on earth are actually more numerous in the New Testament than scenes of heavenly service. Now, uh, the and we'll get into some of this uh, in about two weeks, uh, but when you study angels and when you study uh, 
demons, and when you study good versus evil, obviously there's good angels and there's bad angels. Bad angels are they're demons. They're not just bad angels. They're demons. Uh, and then you have angels, okay? okay? And so if you'll remember, uh, as we began this study, uh, we talked about how in the angelic realm uh, that a third of the angels, the Bible says in Revelations, fell uh, when Lucifer revolted from heaven. And so a third of the spirit world is uh, demonic in activity, and two-thirds is uh, heavenly. It's the angels. It's the good angels, if you will. It's the people that are on God's team. And so obviously there was free will that was given to the angels, uh, whether or not they wanted to go with Lucifer or they wanted to stay and continue to worship Jesus. And so they chose to worship God the Father, and uh, which is why, again, they're part of the heavenly realm that is considered, again, good angels. Now this earthly force occupies roughly 75% of the 180 references to angels in the New Testament. So again, as we look at the activity that angels uh, participate in, about 75% of their interaction that we see in Scripture takes place on earth. Now again, if we went through the Old Testament and the New Testament and looked at all the places where angels showed up, and we're going to look at the very first place that that happens in Scripture tonight, uh, we'd spend a long time looking at all the interactions that took place. Again, simply in the New Testament alone, there are 180 different references uh, two angels. And so Job tells us in the book of Job that angels were actually present at the time of creation. So at the beginning of creation, uh, Job tells us that angels uh, were present. And so, uh, you know, whatever belief system you adhere to as far as when Lucifer fell, uh, you know, there's some conversation about that happening between Genesis 1 1 and Genesis 1 2. The Bible's not clear on that, and so we're not privy to that information. Uh, you know, in the end, does it matter when he fell? The bottom line is that he did fall, and that he doesn't worship God the Father. And so for that reason, uh, we have the bad angels, if you will, or demons. And so Job tells us that they were there at the beginning. And actually, the first time that we see angels, of course, apart from Lucifer, which we're not going to talk about demons tonight, uh, but the first time that we see angels or good angels mentioned on earth in Scripture is actually when Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden. Okay, so Adam and Eve fell, and we see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, that uh, God drove man, He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, He placed the cherubim, or the angels, and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So God said, because of your sin, you're going to be banished from the garden. And in order to keep them from going back into the garden, whether or not they wanted to or not, that wasn't a choice, uh, because God placed angels at the door or the entrance to the Garden of Eden, and they are not allowed, they were not allowed to go back in. And so the very first place that we see angels in Scripture uh, is where God places them at the gate or the door. Uh, of the Garden of Eden. And so, as God drives them out, we see this first interaction. Now, if angels are created as we are, and our mission is for the furtherance of the gospel, then what is the mission of angels? You see, that's a great question, right? What is the mission of angels? If God created us to follow Him, if God created us 
to be like Jesus, right? The, those he foreknew, Romans 8, 29, he also predestined to, to what? To be conformed to the image of Christ. And so if you ever wonder what your purpose in life is, that's it. It is to be conformed to the image of Christ. I love the way, and I've said this many times, it had a huge impact on my life as a young believer. Uh, the way that Max Lucado says uh, that God loves us just the way we are, but he refuses to leave us that way. His desire is that we be just like Jesus. And so that's God's plan for your life and for my life, that we be conformed to the image of Jesus. And so if our mission is conformity, to be changed, to be transformed by the gospel, to be like Jesus, and then to, as the great commission, is to go out and to tell others, well, then what is the angel's mission? Well, it's the same thing. They were created just like we were created to honor and to glorify God the Father, to reflect uh, the nature of our Creator. Genesis 1.26, we're created in the image of God. And so as we're created in that image, our objective, our mission, Jesus said in Luke 19.10, His goal was to seek and to save. His mission was to seek and to save those who were lost. That was Jesus' goal. He had one objective when He came to earth, and He did a mighty fine job of accomplishing that objective. And so as believers, then that's our goal, getting to be like Jesus. And so angels, well, that's their mission as well. So how do they accomplish the mission? How do they accomplish the mission? If you'll remember, uh, in Acts chapter 10, I believe, uh, Pastor Tony, a few weeks back on Sunday morning, he talked, about, uh, he talked about Cornelius, and he talked about Peter. You know the story. If not, go back and read. You'll see where Cornelius had this vision uh, that someone was going to come to his house. And Peter had this vision to go to someone's house, Cornelius' house, right? And an angel was the, one the was one who delivered that message to them. And so as we see this mission, well, what is it that they are to do? Well, angels are part of the mission of accomplishing God's will. And we see, well, how do they do this? So tonight I want to give you a few things that they do to accomplish the mission as we get into their earthly activity. Well, number one tonight, angels minister to humans in our time of need to bring us to the gospel. Angels minister to humans in our time of need to bring us to the gospel. Now, I know, I realize this, that I believe it was 43 or 44 weeks that we spent in Hebrews. We spent a long time in Hebrews. And yet tonight, we're going to find ourselves back in one of our references in Hebrews, and it's about to blow your mind. Because yesterday afternoon, I'm in my office over in the church, and I'm studying, and lo and behold, I, was, I almost had to take a lap, Ricky. I mean, it was, it was that good. So l let me read to you. So it's a long time ago. You probably don't remember this, but let's read this through the lens of our study tonight. Right? We studied Hebrews for a long time, studying that, but look here. Hebrews 1.14, this is what the Bible says. Are they not, now he's talking about angels. If you, you go back and read uh, chapter uh, 1 of Hebrews, and he's talking about angels. This is what he says. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve? So, so far we're good with that, right? Everybody's on board with their ministering agents sent out to serve. Okay, but look what he says. They are to serve for what? For the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Now think about that for just a second. Last week, you know, Pastor Tony and I spent a couple of hours yesterday just thumbing through this, talking about all this. Last week, Pastor Tony said what? He said that 
part of the mission of angels is to direct us into the path, remember, of unbelievers so that they would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Alright? So here we see in Hebrews 1.14 that angels are sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. So God uses angels to further His kingdom by directing you and I, to uh, other people to Jesus, by putting you and I in the path of believers. To, or, or the path of unbelievers, I'm sorry. I, I noted that wrong. To put us in the path of unbelievers so that they would come to know Jesus. So He's putting people who don't know Jesus in the path of believers so that they would be exposed to the gospel. They'd be exposed to the gospel. And so as we think about this, I mean, it's very clear. So I read Hebrews 1.14. So God, the, the plan for angels is to put uh, people into the path of believers that are to inherit salvation. And so I said, all right, well, I'm going to look this up, okay? I'm going to dig deeper. Mr. Dale, where are you? I said, I'm going to dig deeper, all right? I want to know what, it, what was the original language. What is it, Ray, that they said, what does this mean? Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, okay? But I looked it up, all right? We got great tools today. It's, it, this is what it means. Those who are to inherit salvation. That's what the Scripture reads, right? And that means it is those who are going to or those who will come about to salvation. So angels, according to Hebrews 1.14, angels are sent out to serve those who are to inherit salvation. Unbelievers. So it is to bring them into exposure to the gospel. And He uses, God uses angels to guide us into that direction. And so angels' activity and their ministry is never to make life easier. You will not read in any of the accounts of angel experiences uh, in the Bible where an angel shows up and said, Hey, listen, I'm here and your life is about to be really easy. That is not what happens. It is not to fix the situation. Right? When, when the angel appeared to Mary and, and said, uh, you are to conceive a child named Jesus via the virgin birth, did that make it easier or did that make it harder on Mary, right? Did that fix, quote, the situation or did it say, here's information about the situation? We'll talk about some of those experiences in a second. But it is always to point people to the gospel. I mean, I think about, just, just through my mind, what Cornelius had the vision. What was it for? For the Gentiles to be exposed to the gospel. Think about uh, all the believers that ran to the tomb to see Jesus, Peter and John and Mary, uh, after He was crucified. And He wasn't there, and the angel was there, right? And what did the angel do? Pointed to Jesus. And all of the experiences that you see their goal is to point people to Jesus. And so if we get all captivated tonight and start, you know, and the Bible, we'll, we'll, we'll see this in a second, the Bible strictly commands us not to be uh, involved in angel worship. And so for us to get all captivated and say, oh, well, you know, maybe we should start thinking more about angels. No, that's not what this does. Everything that they do points to who Jesus is. And so life happens through the permission of the hand of God. So every encounter, I want you to think about this, every encounter, every situation has angelic implications as God uses angels to direct lost people to you and to me. 
He uses angels in the supernatural realm to direct people who are not exposed to the gospel to be exposed to the gospel for His glory. Now, if you think back to your salvation experience and you think back to the formation of how you came to know Jesus, there was probably some supernatural things that took place. Now, you may not identify that today, but I promise you something supernatural took place. Because if you think about you and me and everybody in this room and everybody who's breathing air on this globe, every one of us are temporary, right? We can't capacitate the, the thought of eternal life. We can't think about not dying. You ever thought about that? You ever sat around and thought, okay, when I get to heaven, I will never die. Now you think about that for a long time, and it's going to blow your mind. You can't. We, we see everything as the end. But see, so if we think, okay, well, supernaturally, well, it takes a supernatural act to take something as sinful as we are and give it eternal life. And so God took the temporary us and He inserted eternality inside of that. He gave us eternal life. And so that's a supernatural act in and of itself. But you think about all the things that had to take place for you to be exposed to the gospel. I promise you, it was supernatural. And so for you and for me, we are trusted to be the voice of the invisible activity of God. We're trusted to be the voice of the invisible activity of God. So what does that mean? Well, if angels are directing people into our path, and they're directing people to be uh, exposed to the gospel because of our obedience, well, that means that we've got to be faithful to be a part of that. We've got to be faithful to stand up. We've got to be faithful to speak up. God could have easily told Cornelius through the angel, hey, you need to be saved and I'm about to redeem uh, Gentiles. I'm about to open uh, up the Gentile availability, if you will. And I want you to be one of the first ones to be saved as a Gentile. He could have done that. Simple, right? I mean, he went to the length of sending the angel, but that's not angel's job. The angels don't, they, they're not redeemed, right? Angels have the choice of following God or not. They choose that decision, and then they're either a demon or they're an angel. I know this is hard for us to think about. But for us, we're born sinners, right? Romans chapter 5 says we have the sin nature inside of us. So we can thank Adam and Eve for that. And so the sinful nature that we possess, we have to be redeemed. And so the way that the redemption takes place for us is that God supernaturally infuses, as we just said, eternal life into us through the Holy Spirit. But yet, angels, they haven't experienced that. And so they can't, they're not dispensers of salvation, of eternal life, because that's not what they've experienced. You and I have experienced that. What does the Bible say in Revelation? How do we overcome the enemy? By the blood of the Lamb and what? And the word of our testimony. That's how we overcome. And so we are trusted to be the voice of this invisible activity. So angels minister on earth. Number two, angels deliver messages from God to His people. Angels deliver messages from God to His people. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm skeptical when somebody tells me I talked to an angel last night. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, all right? And so we can't get carried away with this and say, hey, you know, I saw an angel last night, or this happened, whatever it may be. God uses angels to communicate His will and His word to men. So that's why they have the invisible activity, is because, again, God uses 
us as He directs those circumstances and situations, and it's solely for the purpose of communicating His will. Now, I want to warn us that these are not secret codes, okay? So, you're not to pray to angels, you're not to worship angels. Well, I'll show you a verse here in a minute about that. And so, we're not to go out and say, okay, well, I want to know what secret codes that are hidden from everybody else, God, that you want me to know. No, these are always messages that point people to God. They're always messages. Now, you know, this is not apologetics, and so we're not going to dig into all the other religions tonight. Uh, but there are more than, I can think of two right out of the gate, other religions or belief systems that had an experience with an angel. And uh, because of that experience with the angel, which was contrary to Scripture, they created their own belief system. They created their own belief system. Mormons are one of them. Jehovah's Witnesses are one of them. Right? And so we see this experience that they think that they had. And so because of that, they create this belief system. Uh, probably Mormons are the most well-known for that. And so this is not a secret code. All right? God's not going to direct you to go out in the middle of a field and dig up some you know, books that only you have seen. That's not, that's not what God's going to do. You see, in, D in Daniel chapter 10, we see Daniel had been praying and uh, he had been fasting for an answer from God for three weeks. And so remember, angels deliver messages. That's what we're talking about here. And God sent an angel to answer his prayer. Now remember, Noah built an ark, right? God told him to do it, and everybody said, uh, what's an ark? Uh, he said, well, it's to save us from the rain. And they said, what's rain? And Noah said, well, I'm just going to do it. God said to do it, okay? And so Noah... He was faithful for 120 years. Remember we studied that a few weeks ago, a couple months ago? For 120 years, Noah was faithful uh, to the message that God gave him. Daniel prayed for three weeks. So he's struggling, he's praying, he's fasting for three weeks. Finally, God sends an angel uh, to him to answer his prayer. And so he delivered a message to Daniel. And so a good portion of Daniel is prophetic. Uh, in nature, it talks about the 70 weeks, which is uh, you know, part of the tribulation period. And so we see this message that was delivered by angels to Daniel. And so we, we begin to see this trend. And again, there's many places we could bring that up, but I just want to give you just a couple of examples. Uh, of course, Daniel is in the Old Testament. Uh, second thing that we see, an angel interpreted visions from God. You'll have to hit it one more time, Melanie. Yeah, he interpreted visions from God to Zechariah. So we see that in the Old Testament. We see Daniel, again, receiving the message. Uh, in chapter 10, we see an angel predicted the birth of John the Baptist. So remember, he goes to Elizabeth and he said, Hey, you're, you're going to have a child. So Johnny B came about. So he predicted the birth of John the Baptist. An angel predicted the virgin birth, remember, to Mary and to Joseph. Both of them were notified that Jesus would be coming. An angel was the one who delivered that message. And then last but not least, an angel revealed the time and place of Jesus' birth to the shepherds. So an angel said, hey, here's where this is going to take place. And so we see, and this is just a small sampling of the messages that took place. I had a couple of other illustrations in here, but 
For the sake of time, you see uh, with in the Old Testament with uh, Hagar, remember when she left Abraham and Sarah and there was dissension there? And uh, the angel showed up and ministered to her and encouraged her. And that's where she referred to God as El Roy, the God who sees. Right? And so there's many instances. Abraham, uh, we see with Sodom and Gomorrah, we see with Lot, we see with Jacob. Many, 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 many places in Scripture we see where angels have delivered a message. And so, again, much of Daniel, as I mentioned earlier, also Revelation, came as the result of messages from an angel. John had an angel uh, experience it for the book of Revelation. And so, as he is exiled on the island of Patmos, we see uh, that he received uh, these messages, which is where he wrote the book of Revelation. Now, in all of this, as I said, uh, as we talk about angels ministering, we talk about angels delivering messages, this is not to say that we should seek revelation from angels today. That is not the purpose of an angel. It is not for you to ask for an angel to bring you a message, but it's not for us to look for secret information. Remember, the canon of Scripture is closed. And that is always the barometer by which you should use uh, any encounter that you uh, think or you know, may have experienced is, does it line up with the Word of God? Does it line up with the Word of God? Is it, if it is contrary to the Word of God, it is not from God. And so if it lines up with the Word of God, then guess what? It has already been spoken, right? Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. And so for us to go out and say that we have some angelic experience that gives us something new or contrary uh, or a progressive revelation, that is not from God. Alright, so I want to be very clear on that. So please do not go home and ask for an angelic experience because if your heart is weak, you will die of a heart attack instantly, right? I mean, any of us, you know, every time we see angel experiences in the Bible... Uh, it is always what? Do not be afraid. So angels minister. Angels deliver messages. Number three, angels also protect and deliver us in our time of need. Angels also protect and deliver us in our time of need. Now, last week, Pastor Tony mentioned 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, where Elisha and his servant were there, and uh, the king uh, had said, hey, how, how do they know all the things I'm talking about? And they said, well, it's Elisha. He's got the ear of God. And uh, so because of that, they sent all of these armies to capture Elisha. Again, we talked about this last week. And the servant went out and he saw all the armies. And he was afraid and he came in and he said, Elisha, man, have you looked out the window? Look at all those people out there. And Elisha said, oh, it's fine. You know, we're okay. And he said, have you looked out the window out there? And Elisha said, what? He prayed, God, give him eyes to see. And when Elisha's servant looked back out the window, what did he see? He saw the armies of God. And they were more numerous than the army that had come to capture them. And so you can read the rest of that story in 2 Kings chapter 6. And so they're there to protect and to deliver us in the time of need. In Acts chapter 27, uh, Paul is on a ship. And uh, there you can read in Acts chapter 27 for the sake of time. We'll just look at a couple of verses. But they're having some trouble on the ship, and this is what Paul said. For this very night there stood before me an angel, an angel of God, to whom I belong and to whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. 
You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. And so Paul says, Take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. So here's this experience that Paul has, and everybody on the ship thinks they're going to die. Again, you can read the whole story in Acts 27. And Paul said, No, we're not. Everybody's going to make it. And God just didn't, listen, the angel didn't just say uh, with the message from God, hey, Paul, listen, you're going to make it. No, Paul was very specific. He says, God granted you all those who sail with you. So the angel said, Paul, it's okay, you're going to make it, don't worry about this, and everybody else is going with you. Now let me ask you a question. If God sent that message to you and said, hey, listen, Kurt, you're going to live to your 95, and you're going to be one of the greatest missionaries this earth has ever known, would anything from that point on ever bother you? Right? I mean, if I'm Paul, I'm jumping in the water with the alligators. Right? I mean, I'm not afraid of anything. I mean, right? I mean, 10 foot tall and bulletproof, that's my name. Because God told me I'm going to do something, and guess what? By golly, I'm going to do it. And so Paul said, look, don't worry about the ship. If we've got a paddle on each other's backs to get to where we're going, I'm standing for Caesar. And so he sent this message, so it's not only a message, but it's also an encouragement that, Paul, you're going to be protected, you're going to be delivered. Psalm chapter 35, verse 4 and 5, Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like chafe before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. So God uses his angels in the supernatural realm to protect and to deliver. You see, there's a very popular belief that every person has been assigned their very own guardian angel. Their very own guardian angel. Now, I hope not to burst your bubble tonight. I know in Matthew chapter 18, this is where everybody gets this, so I put it here. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So we read that and we say, well, that's got to be what it means. Well, we have to interpret Scripture with what? With Scripture, right? So, however, remember the purpose of angels. What is the purpose of angels? To point people to Jesus. It is not to make us comfortable or, remember, to fix our situations, but it is to point people to Jesus, so we can get all warm and fuzzy inside and think that we can just do anything and our guardian angel is going to protect us. Well, what are you doing? Are you leading people to Jesus? Well, then he's probably going to help you out. If you're swimming with crocodiles for no reason, well, he might not help you out, right? I'm just saying. So the most important characteristic of angels is that they work on behalf of humans for God's will. They work on behalf of humans. They work on our behalf to accomplish God's will. Now, why do they do that? Why would they do that? Well, they do it because they're motivated by an inexhaustible love for God and a desire to see His will fulfilled in our lives. Why is the Sioux team 1,500 miles from here? Right? Why are we sending teams to the DR, Brazil, Navajo, Guatemala, Moldova, China, Belize, 
Why do we do that? Why do we do block parties? Well, we are motivated by our love for God and a desire to see His will accomplished, right? And so we see here that God uses angels, but it is to promote the gospel. He protects His people. Uh, he, he protects the people that are in process of promoting the gospel. So number four, last but not least, one of the most important jobs that angels have is their representation in government. Now, I'm not here tonight to tell you whether or not angels are Republicans or Democrats. Because I'm pretty sure that doesn't matter to them. I'm pretty sure, remember, their purpose is what? To magnify and to honor God. So one of the most important jobs that they have is their representation in government. Now, as mentioned before, angels were what? They were the first law enforcement agents when they bore the sword in the garden. So angels were the first policemen, the first law enforcement, the first defenders of truth, right? And so angels stood at the uh, gate of the Garden of Eden, and so they were the first law enforcement, so they enforced what it is that God set into motion. Now, there's providential rule of each government in the world by angelic powers. Okay, so God provides, God guides, God is part of, some of these things are good, and some of these are evil. Right now, I'm not going to mention any countries tonight. I'm actually going to show you a map in just a second. Uh, but when we look around the globe, it doesn't seem like a whole lot of countries are actually for the gospel, does it? Unfortunately, it doesn't seem that way. But there seems like there's a whole lot of countries that are against the gospel. We would probably all agree with that. And so as we think about the enforcement and we think about the providential rule that God has, well, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Alright, so it's not who does it, it's who is leading that person to do it, right? Remember, uh, Sunday morning I said that God didn't make us to hurt each other, God made us to love one another, Right? And so when we hurt each other, we operate in the flesh. And so the Bible says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now we can spend a long time on that verse against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so in the heavenly spheres, there are evil powers that have influence that is mediated through powers and principalities, or in other words, earthly governments. Now I'm about to give you rock-solid proof of that. So in Genesis chapter 11... So in Genesis chapter 11, the Bible says that uh, as it's the Tower of Babel, and it says that uh, they were attempting to reach God. I'm paraphrasing here. And so what did God do? God confused the languages. And the Bible says that He actually gave them over to the 70 nations from Genesis chapter 10. Okay? Now in the Unseen series, we spent at length talking about this. Uh, and so we're not going to talk as much tonight, but in Genesis chapter 10, the 70 nations are listed. 
And the Bible says that God gave them over, those nations, over to their own selfish, evil desires. Okay? So, on this next slide, you're going to see this is the table of nations. And they're all right here in this area. This is Iraq, and you can see the Middle East, okay? This is uh, Africa, of course. I'll get out of the way so you can see it. Asia, Europe, you see the whole map here. We're all familiar with this. We've seen it on TV, and maybe you've been to Europe or somewhere over here, okay? All right, so this is what is considered the 1040 window right through here. All right, this is the longitude and latitude 1040 window, and this is the most unreached people group, and I'm going to show you another map in a second. This is the most unreached people group in the world, right through here. All right? Now, we know, you know, that a lot of those countries are closed through there. Syria, Iraq, Iran, we know all, you know, all those places, many countries through there. 70 nations, okay? Genesis chapter 10. Now, as you go to the next slide, I want to show you before you, hang on one second, Melanie, before you go, I want you to see here. Go, go ahead and flip over. The, what does this map show us here? This map is the World Watch map, the World Watch map for 2019, most current watch map. So if you're to travel outside of the United States, this is where is the most persecution or where are the countries that are least rece uh, receptive of believers. Red is the worst, Okay. So this is the World Watch map where the most Christian persecution takes place. Flip back one map, Melanie, to the table of nations. Now, this is the 70 nations in Genesis chapter 10. Now, is that not fascinating or what? So what does this tell us? Well, it tells us that the 70 nations here in Genesis chapter 10, flip over to the table next, Melanie, is then we see that these are the most persecuted places in the world which is the exact place where the 70 nations were given over in Genesis chapter 11. And what did God do in Genesis chapter 12? He created the nation of Israel through the lineage of Abraham, right? It wasn't because of anything good that Abraham did. It was because God chose Abraham. And God, through the nation of Israel, then started the Jewish heritage, right? But this is the 1040 window. This is where the powers of principalities are most at work. This is where we see the most evil in the world today. This is where all missionaries say this is the hardest people group to reach because it is the most closed people group. Well, why is that? Because in Genesis chapter 10, I mean, if this doesn't show you the validity of how Scripture applies even from four and 5,000 years ago, nothing will. Of how God said, okay, if that's what you want to follow, then you can follow that. And He gives them over to follow what they chose to be the evil spirits or the evil nations. And so we continue to see this demonic, this evil rule in that same exact place all the way back from Genesis chapter 10. You see, God uses His angels to exercise God's rule and His authority over creation. And as we see, there will come a day where God will redeem that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that includes the 1040 window, by the way. That includes the 1040 window. And so there will be a time when all evil is wiped out and that Jesus will reign supreme. And so this is, 
this is serious stuff, okay? This is not just fluff and fun for us to talk about angels for a few weeks. This is the real deal, okay? And so as we, uh, next week we'll have one more study on angels and then we're going to get into the tactics of the enemy. So we're going to talk about the other side. We've got, you know, the good angels, if you will, those that are for God, and then we're going to talk about uh, demonic activity. We're going to talk about the things that Satan uses, uh, the tactics of the enemy against us. And this is where it all started in Genesis chapter 10, okay? So here's our question as we close. If angels have abilities that we don't possess, right, they can appear, they can supernaturally do things. If, if they have abilities that we don't possess and they have information on things that we don't know, well, I was thinking about this yesterday. Well, now, wait a minute. You're telling us things that are happening in the future. You're telling Daniel about the seven weeks, uh, the seven-year tribulation in the 70th week. You're talking to John on the Isle of Patmos. Now, these are angels that are giving information to John, and you're talking about future events. So, there's information that God has given angels that we don't have. Right? I mean, I know some of y'all are in Revelation right now. Anybody figured it out yet? <laughs> right? So, I mean, there's things that we're limited. There's information that our brains can't capacitate. Alright? So if they have these abilities and they know things we don't know, how should we view and approach angels? Should we elevate them and say, hey, now look at here. These angels, man, they're all over the Bible. Well, angels, they do not represent men before God. The Holy Spirit of God represents men before God. Remember in Romans chapter 8, the Bible says that the Spirit of God prays the things that we don't even know we need to pray. In Jesus Christ, we just spent 44 weeks talking about how Jesus is the better high priest and that Jesus intercedes for us, and that He's at the throne of God, and that He's intercepting our prayers, and that He is our high priest. He's the one uh, intermediating for us. You see, we shouldn't, we shouldn't worship angels because angels don't represent us before God. And if you're in here tonight and you're a believer, you don't need an angel to do anything for you. You've got the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. If you need, an, if you need a message from God... Well, what does the Bible say? That the Spirit of God gives us eyes to see and ears to hear. And that the Spirit of God is what will lead you to all truth. And so for us to, you know, it's, it's interesting to study angels and they have a place in the world in which we exist. But we possess the Spirit of God. And so don't you dare replace any of attention that you should be giving to the Spirit of God to anything other than the Spirit of God. You see, this is an act that is strictly forbidden in Scripture. Revelation 22, 8 and 9 says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. Now this is the man who had this experience. John the disciple. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of an angel who showed them to me. And who wouldn't, right? I mean, for 21 chapters, John's had this experience and he tells them all the things that he had no way of knowing. And he says, here how the end time is going to end. Here's what's going to happen to the devil. Here's all the good things that God's going to restore. Here's how everything's going to play out. I want you to write this down. And John at the end says, woe is me. Man, you know everything. 
And the Bible says that he knelt down to worship at the feet of the angel. And this is what the angel said. He said to me, you must not do that. Exclamation mark. I am a fellow servant with you. And you and your brothers the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. So again, this is interesting, I'm sure. And I know that there's information that you may have, you probably learned a lot tonight about angels that you never knew before. But it is not intended to replace anything, uh, any of the worship that should be directed towards Holy God, to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. It is with those who keep the words of this book. So that tells us, remember what I said earlier, if you have an angel experience and the angel tells you something that is, what Paul say, that is opposite the gospel, what does John say? That does not line up with the words of God. He said, worship God. And so what should we do with this information? Well, we should be grateful that God acts so much on our behalf that He didn't just create you and me, but He created another realm of creation that's invisible to us. We don't even see it. And their sole purpose is to act on behalf of God's will for His creation. The Bible says that they are in awe of the fact that Jesus still redeems us. That He still saves us. That He's still reaching those that seem to be unreachable. And so tonight I want you to leave with a heart that's grateful for what God has done. And that He didn't just create you and leave you on to your own devices and good luck. He created you. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you and me, to pay a price we were unable to pay. None of us were capable, are capable, will ever be capable of paying a sinless sacrifice. None of us can do that. So He sent Jesus to do it. And then when Jesus ascended, He said, not only am I going to pay the price for you, I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus said, "And if I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. And so Jesus ascended into heaven and He left the Holy Spirit of God. And so inside the heart of every believer on this earth has the Spirit of God inside of us. And the Spirit of God guides us and directs us and prays the things that we don't know we should be praying. And He utters the things to God that we need to be praying for. And then on top of all of that, before the foundation of the world, God said, I'm not only going to create men, I'm also going to create a heavenly realm and I'm going to use them invisibly to take care of my creation. Amen. To guide them, to protect them, and to put people, uh, put them in the paths of other people who know me, who can advocate for me, to be the voice of the invisible activity. Amen? Amen. So tomorrow when you go out, tonight when you stop for gas, if you go to a grocery shop, whatever, I want you to think about why are these people around me at this moment in history? Why are they talking to me? Why are they looking at me? Why am I here at this time and space? Could it be that God put you in that very moment for that very reason that He's got angels directing people to intersect your life so that you would be an advocate, that you would be a voice for our Heavenly Father? Amen. I want to encourage you to look for opportunities so that you can be the voice of Jesus Christ. That you and I, our goal tomorrow and the rest of our life would be to be conformed to the image of Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much tonight. And God, we are so...